0: Podcasting.
1: Welcome to the Security Squawk Podcast, where we discuss the business of cybersecurity. Here are your hosts Brian Horning, Reginald Andre, Randy Bryan, and Ryan O'Hara.
2: What's up everyone? Welcome to another edition of the Security Squawk Podcast. I am your co-host Brian Horning here with Ryan O'Hara and Randy Bryan. How are you, gentlemen?
1: Good. Man, I'm great, but where's Andre?
2: Andre's Andre's yeah. Uh, yeah. In a, someplace so, in the Caribbean, yeah. I believe. We can't disclose, I guess. That's right. We can't
1: disclose, that. but he's, <laughs> he's somewhere fun. So shout out to Andre. He's probably watching us. Hope you're having fun doing... From somewhere in there. the
0: Bermuda Triangle? Yeah.
1: Somewhere. It's the it's North American Triangle. Somewhere. <laughs> somewhere,
2: there. somewhere around there. So... Uh, We got some stuff on tap today to talk about around cybersecurity. Our job and our goal on this podcast is to educate people about what's going on out there around cybersecurity, how it relates to you, and how to protect yourself. Today, we kind of cruise the internet looking at articles uh, that we found around cybersecurity that we thought were interesting and we want to talk about and. Bring some awareness around and use those examples to educate you on how you can potentially better protect yourself or what you should do. So in that process, if you happen to be enlightened, if we change your perspective, if we educate you in any way, if we entertain you, just help us out by liking wherever you're consuming this at, maybe giving us a review and sharing it out to your friends and family. Bottom line is, as you help us grow this show, this platform, uh, we produce more content and it also helps other people find this stuff. So, when you're liking and subscribing and sharing, the algorithms pick that up. And then, when other people search for this stuff or search for topics that we talk about around this stuff, your reviews, your shares, your likes, your support helps them find.
0: Our content. So, and you—you you could be the difference between somebody clicking on something in an email and getting infected, and not. That's right.
2: That's right. Or at least being aware of it, right? Yeah. So, guys, we got a bunch of stuff to talk about this week. Uh, <clears throat> we got some uh, interesting things here with hardware flaws. Now, this is—I mm-hmm. I mentioned in the green room that I saw something with UEFI. Um, this is not that we're talking about. Uh, this time we're talking about the new TPM 2.0 flaw that could let hackers steal cryptographic keys. And the article here says that the trusted platform uh, module TPM 2.0 specification is affected by two buffer overflow vulnerabilities that could allow attackers to access or overwrite sensitive data such as cryptographic keys. If you don't know, TPM is a hardware-based technology that provides operating systems with tamper-resistant, secure cryptographic functions. It can be used to store cryptographic keys, passwords, and other critical data, making any vulnerability in its implementation a cause for concern. While a TPM is required for some Windows security features, such as measured boot, device encryption, Windows Defender system guard, device health attestation, it is not required for other more commonly used features. However, when a trusted platform module is available, Windows security features get an enhanced security in protecting sensitive information and encrypting data. Bottom line is, is I'm not going to read through the rest of this, TPM <laughs> is the reason why you don't have to type in a password every time you turn on Windows you boot up the computer because your hard drive is encrypted or at least it should be encrypted and if it's not you are you have risk there um so that's the main thing that most people know and use tpm for is instead of having to type in your drive encryption password tpm marries your hard drive with this module And with that module in place, it allows you just to turn on the computer and boot it up. And as long as those two devices remain married together, you will be allowed to boot up that drive without using a password. So I don't know who wants to take this from a technical standpoint and break it down to what this means to the average everyday business person and why we're talking about this and what this means to them. But
0: go ahead. I think the grandies are technical technical uh person here
2: yeah
1: well so i was just laughing at the very beginning when you were reading the first couple <laughs> sentences i was like wow like every other word it's my was language Well, like... <laughs> oh, and every uh, other word, i was thinking man your average bloke out there listening would be like what in the world's all this um, right but i think so bottom line uh, it basically a tpm trusted platform module it, it basically establishes a beachhead of trust on a device that we can build trust around um, f- to give us things like um, encryption and not having to enter a password like you said um, pretty sure on some machines the fingerprint is somehow related to that as well but um, but the bottom, but the bottom line is when they get access to things like this, it can really call costs. It can really cause some, uh, some issues, you know, um, if they leak out, um, I'm laughing because these guys are giving me a hard time, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, if this kind of thing, like if they can leak out the cryptographic keys, then they can, they can get into the hard drive. It means they could get
0: access to some, to, uh, some material that might be sensitive. And Randy, correct, correct me it, if I'm wrong, but if they have the ability to overwrite those cryptographic keys, doesn't that basically give them the ability to lock you out from your data like instantly, as opposed to having to go through the that, encryption process? That, I don't know if that's possible. It
1: seems like it would be if the data, because it can be fixed with a firmware update. Uh I don't know if the keys are hard-coded into the TPM or not.
0: It says in this story that it can access or overwrite sensitive data such as cryptographic keys. So um, a
1: beachhead was
0: like in uh, World War
1: II when they went and stormed the beach at Normandy uh, Normandy, they have to establish a beachhead where once they once they all that death and destruction, once they finally got established on the beach, that's what a beachheads call. And with with like in, in a situation where you are like there's an incident and there's a breach, that's one of the things you have to do. You have to basically establish something you can work from that's safe and secure as you start getting back what was taken uh, by the, the bad blokes. So apparently the two words for today are beachhead
0: and bloke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think, I think you used both of those last week as well. <laughs> so,
2: so I guess what you're saying, Randy is, is like this type of thing that we're talking about is not something that the average user can do anything about, right? This is a vulnerability within hardware that people are purchasing and computers that they buy for, for their business or their home. Is that, is that fair to say? I I think Ryan researched that. Yeah, I it think. looks like
0: there there are firmware updates that are coming down the pipe to patch this. Uh, it doesn't look like one of the and you. Know, but it's a good point. We have seen certain hardware vulnerabilities that were not patchable. They were they were. You know, firmware couldn't correct those vulnerabilities. In this case, it looks like like they are. Uh, the problem is is that this has gone public, and so far, uh, it looks like only one uh, manufacturer has has issued a fix for this. Quite at, at this point, so um, this could still be a, a big issue if uh, if the the bad actors pounce on it quickly enough.
2: Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, the recommendation is, is to limit physical access to their devices. Obviously, mm-hmm. so somebody can't put malware on there and only use signed application from reputable vendors meaning if you get any weird warnings pop-ups and you're trying to like go around them to still install software probably right now is not a good
0: time to do that Mm -hmm. unless you know what you're doing or better yet have an it professional that handles all of this stuff for you (laughs) yeah you know there's still going to be people that try to do it themselves
2: all right, guys. So the city of Oakland, like their friends down at the LA County Unified School District, are having some fun dealing with their ransomware event. Still, um, we mentioned this on the show a couple weeks ago, uh, and this is just a continuation of of the of the pain that uh, these businesses have to deal with. And ransomware, what I've been telling people a lot lately is like ransomware is a, is like a cancer. It's a slow death. Like it's, you know, it's a, it, you know, <clears throat> yeah, sometimes you're going to beat it and sometimes you're not, but when you, you know, it's like one of those things where like, it's not pretty where, you know, where th- how these businesses suffer um, and the length of time that they suffer before, you know, ultimately a lot of these businesses uh, succumb to just, not existing anymore and succumb to the damage that's been done by the ransomware. So down in Oakland, the Play Ransomware gang has begun to leak the data from the city of Oakland, California that was stolen in a recent cyber attack. The initial data leak consists of 10 gigabytes of multi-part RAR archive allegedly containing confidential documents, employee information, passports, and IDs. Private and personal confidential data, financial information, IDs, passports, employee full I- info, human rights violation information. For now, partially published, compressed to 10 gigabytes, s- stated the cyber criminals on their data leak site. So this stuff's out here. It's uh, in archives. You're free to go download it and start pouring through it if you'd like. Um and then the article goes on to say, in an updated statement posted yesterday, the city stays, states that they are monitoring the situation and will notify any individuals whose personal information was exposed. That'll cost them some money. Mm-hmm. Uh, while the investigation into the scope of the incident impacting the city of Oakland remains ongoing, we recently became aware that an unauthorized third-party has acquired certain files from our network and intends to release the information publicly. The, Oak, uh, the city of Oakland said in a statement. <clears throat> guys, want me to stop, or you want to talk about this, or you want to just keep reading how bad it gets? Uh, a little bit bad. of both. <laughs> I mean, they're basically saying they're going on and they're working with yeah. third-party specialists and law enforcement on the issue and are actively monitoring the unauthorized third parties' claims to investigate their validity. Uh, If we determine that any individual's personal information is involved, we will notify those individuals in accordance with applicable law. So this has been going on for a month now.
0: It doesn't say anything about the ransom. I mean, presumably they they decided not to pay. Yeah, yeah. they came out a while
2: back and said that they weren't going to pay. Yeah, they got the FBI involved and I think CrowdStrike. They declared a
1: state of emergency. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, they try to declare a state of emergency in hopes that that would expedite for federal help. Yeah,
1: it's just bad. I mean, that's the that's the thing. I don't know how far we got to read into it, but awesome. all this stuff, um, like confidential data, financial information, IDs, passports, human rights violations, like. Uh, that's just good. That's just mm, it's just really not good.
0: It, it's just getting hard because we keep seeing these same stories that are basically cut and paste from the last story. You know, a lot of cities, a lot of schools, uh, a lot of hospitals, um, and you know, it's it's hard to add new commentary to this because all of these stories are are pretty much the same. And and the the, the biggest question I have is when is somebody going to do something about all of this?
2: Well, I mean, number one, businesses need to just start doing stuff about it and, and, and spending more money to secure their data. That's part of what we're going to talk about in a little bit when we talk about um, the White House cybersecurity strategy that they released this week. But, um, you know, the other piece of this is 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 just, you know, the number of schools, hospitals, universities and municipal governments that are under attack and you know are not doing anything to protect this data it's kind of just like well you know we'll 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 let it get released out there Mm -hmm. um and now they're just going to let people pour over this data um and do whatever they want with it at this point and it's interesting to me that that's how a lot of these companies are playing this game lately um, you know, you're a month into it, and my, my big, my big takeaway, and what businesses need to learn is, is, you know, you're you're a month, something happens, you're a month into it, and you're still not really any closer. So, you know, think about all the downtime that that's costing them money, and then not only that, all the all this information that's now getting released is all going to lead to more and more uh class action lawsuits and more lawsuits that they're going to have to defend down the road um and you know this is what businesses need to learn is that this stuff is occurring in hindsight after the fact you know businesses are being held liable you know you you have no idea what this is going to cost your business if something like this happens to you and that's what you need to take from that is is learn from these learn from these other hacks learn from these mistakes and learn how to not be these organizations.
0: I mean, I, I wish there were were more solutions being proposed that were were front end heavy. Like right now, the only people that are benefiting from the things that are getting passed are lawyers and the bad actors, <laughs> because all we're doing is making it easy easier to uh, place blame and sue somebody after the fact. But we're not doing enough on the front end to protect these things from happening in the first place.
2: Yep. So Acer confirms a breach of uh, 160 gigs of data for sale on a hacking form, which is, this is quite interesting to me because Acer constantly attacked. They're like right up there with T-Mobile. And we have a Taiwanese computer giant, Acer, confirmed that it suffered a data breach after threat actors hacked a server hosting private documents um, used by repair technicians. However, the company says that the results of the investigation so far do not indicate that this security incident has impacted customer data. The confirmation of the data breach comes after a threat actor began selling on a popular hacking forum what they claim is 160 gigabytes of data stolen from Acer in mid-February of 2023. Screenshot was put up um, by... uh, this threat actor, which outlines exactly what they have. Uh, They stolen uh, technical manuals, software tools, backend infrastructure details, product model documentation for phones, tablets, and laptops, bios images, ROM files, ISO files and replacement digital product keys. As proof that they stole the data, the threat actor shared screenshots of technical schematics for the Acer V26HQL display, documents, BIOS definitions, and confidential documents. The poster of the data said that they were, were selling the entire data set to the highest bidder, are clarifying that they would only accept the hard-to-trace Monero as a form of payment. After contacting Acer about the data breach, a company spokesperson confirmed to Bleeping Computer that it suffered a breach on one of its document servers. And they went on to say that they recently detected an incident of unauthorized access access to one of our document servers for repair technicians. While our investigation is ongoing, there is currently no indication that any customer data was stored on that server. This breach comes after Acer suffer, suffered other security incidents in the past few year, years, March of 2021. Uh, October of 2021 were the last two. Um, and then they also had uh, another one, uh, 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 a group disordered breached Acer's Taiwanese servers the same week, stealing employee information, including their login credentials. So that's what's going on at Acer, not fun. Um, what do you guys think? I mean, to,
0: to, to me, like they, they make a point of pointing out that, that that the stuff that was accessed is no big deal. Um, I don't know what you guys think. I mean, I, I, I've worked with repair technicians on certain things. Some of the tools that they have to use give them access to things your average person wouldn't have access to. Um, I don't think this is quite the same as you know, like a source code type situation, but I don't think it's that far off either. I, you know, they may not have customer information, but I think that they may have some tools that will allow them to, uh, you know, attack Acer hardware in the future.
1: Yeah, and um, this, so like BIOS images, um, that could almost be as bad as, as source code because yeah. Yeah. we're talking, you know, BIOS is basically the brain of, of a computer and if they're able to get in there and find vulnerabilities, yep, um, which maybe they can't, because maybe they're—I don't know—but I'm sure they're going to be able to pull it apart and figure out figure out things. So who knows? Yeah, this it's, could be really, really bad.
0: It's so, not like it was nothing, which is kind of the way that they their PR but, company probably put it.
1: And I would just probably add, you know, with all the tensions over in that part of the world, um, Taiwan really needs to their government really needs to understand. I mean, Taiwan is, they're like the world's semiconductor chip maker. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And part of our supply chain issues over the past like three years um, were directly related to the fact that they had to shut down their plants for like two months um, during COVID. And Mm because people couldn't go in and work them. And this this is a national security issue for Taiwan. I really hope that they see it as that. Um, because if these guys get interrupted, you know, it can if, literally affect the entire world economy. Um, and you know, also with all the stuff going on, you know, between um, them and their neighbor. So anyway,
2: it's a big deal. Yeah. And then, you know, Acer, Acer itself, you know, that, that's a yes. Yes. They did not breach a customer database or customer information that we know of yet. Cause we don't know everything that was on that server, Um, but it is a massive amount it is a massive breach in my opinion, because, you know, you're, you're able to access a company's internal workings and now you have proprietary information that you've now stolen and you can, you know, you can sell that, you know, how many countries, uh, how many manufacturers would be interested in knowing how Acer makes their products, you know, things like that. These, this is all stuff that can be. You know, they're selling it as one big batch on the dark web, but, you know, somebody could potentially buy this and then divvy it up and sell it, you know, off bit by bits and pieces as well, too. Um, So interesting. I mean, um, you know, they get hacked a lot. And it's not doesn't surprise me that somebody has this 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 data now. All right, guys, so. We have this Medusa group now claiming responsibility for the Minneapolis public school hack. Um, we talked about the Minneapolis public school hack on the show uh, a while back. And threat actors added MPS threatening to leak the stolen data if the school district doesn't pay the ransom. Um MPS acknowledged a cyber attack in February after the organization's IT systems went dark. The attack garnered attention on social media due to the wording MPS used to describe the ransomware attack, in which it described the latter somewhat uh, euphemistically as an encryption event. Um, so, an entry on Medusa's blog shows that the hackers demand the school system pay one million to delete the stolen data and malicious actors set the same price for anyone interested in downloading the stolen information. The Medusa ransomware gang has been operating since the end of 2022. Uh, However, the newcomer was among the most active ransomware syndicates last month. According to deep-wedge watchdog Darkfeed, Medusa attacked at least 18 organizations in February, making the group the most prolific gang that month. Wow. That's pretty good, man. Mm -hmm. More than one, more than one every other day. Um, So that's kind of where we're at. It's interesting. Um, The Medusa, you know, it kind of sounds like they've moved on from the encryption event to the, Hey, we're going to release this data unless you pay us a million bucks.
1: I laughed the first time when you read encryption event. So, is that what we're calling it now to decrease the I, amount of shame?
0: Like I, I like, like it really though. Think, think about when we start researching these stories, ransomware is usually the first search term that we use. So this so gets cool. them around that search term.
1: I scrolled down in the article a little bit and there's actually a meme there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, if you could post that, that'd be hilarious. But if you can't, that's cool. But bottom line, you know, why are they calling it an encryption event? If it's encryption event, it's obviously ransomware. They're they're never gonna just come in and crypt, take your data. Well, they might, I guess, and try to
0: it's sell reverse, it. Reverse it's reverse SEO, Randy. They they, yeah. they want to stay off the radar.
1: That's very smart, actually, right? <laughs> so they're gonna start misspelling ransomware. We, uh-huh. were, we were hit with ransomware, W-H-E-R-E. Yeah.
2: These breach coaches are getting so creative. Yeah. yeah. It's like every every breach or something, some new idea. Look at what I just came up with.
1: But all kidding aside, this is awful. I mean, all of them are in one way or another. But when you when you get the social security information for like a six year old, like nobody's going to be out there like monitoring their credit. I mean, a few people might be, but most people don't think to monitor the credit of the credit of their kid. Yeah. Well, like basically for the next ten years, they'll have free reign on all these social security numbers to open credit card accounts and, you know, steal money and do this and do that, plus the opportunities later for phishing and, you know, targeted phishing. We're calling it that now, Mm -hmm. so it doesn't rank well in SEO. Um, But you know what I'm saying? Like, there's just so much bad things that they could do to make money off of um, this information that that they're taking. 100%.
2: 100%. Yep. Good perspective. Good luck to Minneapolis. Um see what happens here. We'll keep everyone updated. So, uh guys, the Biden administration, all the news. They released their updated national uh cybersecurity strategy for 2023. Uh, and it focuses on shifting the burden of defending the country's cyberspace or cybersecurity. I don't know why they use that term towards software vendors and service providers. Washington's new cybersecurity defense plans also acknowledges that the collaboration between public and private sectors and with international allies and partners as essential for securing a nation against cyber threats basically what this what the what the cyber defense strategy has done is um you know they they go on to recognize that there's a responsibility and everybody from top to bottom from businesses to government to individuals are being tasked in this strategy to rebalance the responsibility of cyber security right and a lot of a lot of the things, especially when it comes to big tech, um, they put the burden of cybersecurity on the individuals. And while the White House believes that individuals should be mindful of their cybersecurity, um, the White House really wants to see big tech take responsibility, especially for platforms and, and the more vulnerable um people in society who just don't, aren't aware of this stuff, you know, think of older populations or, um, inner city kids that don't come from, you know, areas that have a lot of money or a lot of resources around technology. And when they do get technology, they're at a disadvantage because they don't really understand how this stuff works and how they can be scammed and hacked and things like that. So, um, that's part of this is, is just to, rebalance how everybody thinks about how we go about solving this problem. Um, I do think it's a great idea to like force big tech to, you know, have two FA on things if, mm-hmm. if that's what's required or just making sure, um, <clears throat> just making sure that, you know, people understand like, you know, this shouldn't be optional or the company's, companies understand that this shouldn't be optional. You, you, you have the technology. You should force your users to do it um, because if you leave it in to their choice uh, and I always go back to, you know, I love using the, the, the car safety analogy, right? You can put seat belts in cars and give the people a choice to use them. But if you don't see, you know, if you know that seatbelts save lives and you don't see numbers going down, then you've got to start putting seatbelt laws in place, and that's ultimately what we did in this country. Um, so, what are your guys' thoughts on on this cybersecurity strategy? Um, I don't, I know Randy, you you kind of thought it was uh, hot air, so uh, you still feel that way. You want to you want to <laughs> yeah. kind of share your opinion around that?
1: Uh, I don't know that it's necessarily hot air as much as So I don't think it's intentionally hot air. Let's put it that way. And it, and it's a good talk to have, like we discussed in the green room. My concern is it's going to be like everything else. And at the end of the day, it's meaningless. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we had a summit with Putin and Biden and we talked about how we weren't going to attack, you know, schools and, hospitals and IT and like we've literally been reading about that all morning long you know what I'm saying um so that was a big nothing burger and obviously there, you know their war broke out in Ukraine a proxy war whatever you want to call it so this talk it's good talk and and it needs to happen I just hope that it doesn't end up being just a bunch of hot air I hope that it doesn't end up just being you know, well, we talked about it, and then, like you mentioned in the green room, Ryan, three months down the road, it's we've all forgotten about right. it. And we're on to the next twenty new things. Do you, you know? remember
0: their their cybersecurity strategy from last year? <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, they had a, something exactly like this, where they had an outline of facts and and you know what it all meant, and it didn't really go anywhere. I I think, like to me. It, that's probably the most likely scenario um I, I think in one respect the most likely thing that might might happen or at least start having more conversations about um is the the piece about kind of shifting some of that responsibility to you know, some of these software as a service type platforms uh, traditionally, they are—you know—they push something out and they make the service as easily to use for the consumer as possible, um, which typically means not enabling all of the the security that's part of it. And uh, in a lot of cases, they don't even talk about the security that's a part of it. So, you know, you have people uh, who are using—you know—we'll just use social media platforms as a good example. A lot of people use social media. Um, some people don't even realize that that MFA is an option in, in some of those cases. Um, so, just the the simple step of Uh, turning that on by default when you sign up and having somebody set it up, I think goes a really long way in in getting people to start adapting uh, to these modern security techniques Mm -hmm. um, and getting them used to it. So like when they do run into it in business or, you know, with their bank account or something like that, they understand it and are are able to adopt it a little bit easier. But um, like, uh, Oh, sorry. It's just, it's, it's difficult right now because, you know, it's, I take it back. You know, to you know, the early two thousands, right when you know half the world uh, didn't even have to put in a password to start accessing their computer. You know, and then, you know, there was a transition there where people were annoyed and, and you know, it's it's yes. time consuming. Why do I have to put in my yes. password now? I mean, you, you practically have to hack an operating system to log into it without a password. So we need to get to that point where we're shifting and doing these things just by default. Uh, I really like Brian's uh, uh, seatbelt analogy, right? Right, exactly. When, when seatbelts first started going into cars, you didn't even have alarms on there when you weren't using them. Now, like, you know, you, you can't go, you know, 100 feet down the road without getting, you know, getting, beeps that you can't turn off that are so annoying you put your seatbelt on anyway think about how different it would be
1: if literally right now facebook said no more access without mfa 365 who they're starting now with new brand new tenants kind of come out of the box so if you sign up for 365 now kind of out of the box their security turned on Mm -hmm. but you have thousands of millions of tenants probably that that are already there that don't. Like imagine if right now that just became across the board, you had to have MFA turned on. You know, imagine, like just go down the line, so many things, what if Microsoft was required to turn on MFA on every
0: machine that they put out? I mean- I tell people all the time, I may have even brought it up on this show once or twice. Like imagine what the world would look like cybersecurity wise right now, if MFA were mandated five years ago, it'd be mm-hmm. totally different. Like think of all of the money in the last five years that these cyber criminals have built up that, you know, something as simple as MFA probably could have stopped. You know, all that mm-hmm. research and development funding that they have to be, you know, two steps above uh, or beyond the, uh, the people who are designed or, or trying to protect against this stuff. Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, Oh, um, I want to add one thing that's kind of on topic, but it's kind of changing the subject of of this article. Were you going to add to that, Brian? Um,
2: I mean, all I was going to say is about this particular plan, in my opinion, is I, I can get why your initial read of it was this is a lot of law for hot air. Because it was very high level in terms of what it set out to achieve. Um, you know, the devil's always in the details, especially when it comes to laws and regulations. I guess the thing that scares me the most is how broad the one statement is where all service providers must make reasonable attempts to secure the use of their infrastructure against abuse or other criminal behavior to make it more difficult for adversaries to abuse U.S.-based infrastructures while safeguarding individual privacy. And I just think about, like, You know, Randy, all the things that go on out there in the world from our world that people don't see uh, all the time. And one of the things I'm talking about is like when we're looking at cyber criminal activity, a lot of times it's coming from a data center. Right. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times those data centers are are all over the world, but a lot of times they're in the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that's like, you know, them. I I think about all, all those people uh, who run those data centers or have these data center companies, um, it's just a really tall task to rein in uh, what they're trying to rein in right now from a lot of different levels, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You could look at this statement and say, well, all IT companies, managed service providers and, and bars and system integrators... They all need to you know make sure that their systems are secure enough so they can't be hacked and then therefore their customers get hacked. Um, you know that that it, it just the language here uh, is a little too broad for me to be comfortable, which is why I think that <clears throat> you know all that being said means to me that this is just gonna be a very long time before things get done because Congress is going to have to deal with a in understanding this, you know, ingesting the information, having somebody, you know, consult with them and tell them what this all means. If they vote for or against something that somebody proposes. Uh, And then on top of that, you're going to have people lobbying with money for or against whatever is being proposed. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, short of you know something i think ryan used might have said it in the green room something really bad happening yeah right where like maybe an executive order gets put in place um you know against tech companies that are very you know very knee-jerk type of way going the normal route you know based on how we create laws in this country it's going to be a long run so, go ahead, well, that's what it
0: feels like they, they keep making these laws so so vague and generic so that they, they sound good in a press release but at the end of the day they, they don't actually yeah. have any meet
2: right hmm.
1: And right. that's enough to satisfy most uh, people um, but the talk is still the talk feels good It's good to hear hear a government talking about these things because it feels like a lot of times we're just going around you know beating a dead horse you know, Clanging the drum and no one's listening, or yeah. clanging the cymbals or whatever that is. But yeah, my my comment I was going to add. They do mention on there how how China has and Russia both have basically made it in their national interest to you know. It's it, there's a lot of detail there, but where it's basically cybersecurity or cybercrime, depending on who you're talking to in this, um, how they've made it forefront. In their national security program, and you know, I know we have CISA or something like that, but um, I mean, not or something like that. I know we have CISA and those kind of things, but I mentioned this before, about a year or so ago. It it really seems like we need to do a really better job of seeing that cybersecurity is a national security thing, and you know, our our military slash government ought to be actively involved in this and ought, ought to be actively involved in protecting our national interests. Like, I don't know, like I know other countries take it seem to take it more seriously. And I know that on the other side of that coin, um, there is a lot we do have and there's a lot we have going on. I just wonder if it's enough. That's mm-hmm. I guess my guess uh, my point there after I read those the last uh, couple paragraphs of the, uh, of the article. So
2: cool. So
1: <laughs> we want to definitely keep our edge. That's for sure. Yeah. And it, it feels like we're, we're, we're in danger of losing it. That's my concern.
2: We always are. That's, that's why, that's why people got to take care of this stuff on a daily basis. Not just think about
0: it every once in a while. Why people need to share our podcast, get the word out. That too. So,
2: thanks, guys. Appreciate it. We're about forty minutes in. We're going to wrap it up here. I just want to mention real quick um, this uh, Lehigh Valley Health Network. um, They have a their ransomware gang has shared patient information on the dark web, and unfortunately, they've shared um, pictures of cancer patients receiving treatment. Um, So it's pretty pretty nasty like to go that low to share that kind of stuff um but here they are sharing very very sensitive medical information on the dark web in hopes of getting their ransomware payment from the lehigh valley health network so i know we talked about that last week wanted to update everybody they're still dealing with it and their ransomware hackers are still trying to get paid so that's it for us we'll see everyone next week take care i we going